We are in a series called Transformed, and uh, each week we have beautiful Colette show us how to fold a piece of origami paper. We have a bunch of origami paper near the offering box, so grab one on your way. These videos can be found at clearwater.church, our website. And the point of this is just to uh, highlight the fact that we are in process. God is changing us. And we're not yet who we will be. And so as you are folding your piece of origami, uh, we want you to be thinking about how God is changing you and uh, what he might be calling you to, uh, to change in your life, how you can partner with him. So uh, this week, she uses beautiful paper. She makes it look so effortless. Um, but go out, go out and do that. It's one of the things we're trying to do. We're actually, we've got five ways. Well, not including origami. I guess we've got six. Six ways you can get the most out of this sermon series. So here's our goal. Uh, you know, sometimes you get, you just go really serious into your training and you have sort of an accelerated period of growth. And that's what we're hoping this sermon series will be, is an accelerated time of growth. And so... The more you put into something, the more you get out of it. Five, not including the origami, six ways you can get the most out of this sermon series. Uh, in order of importance, number one, listen to the sermons. If you can't be here Sunday morning, we have a Thursday night service at our building, 3300 Spinard Road. Back the first time we preach and sing and gather is Thursday night, and then we do it again Sunday morning. Uh, if you can't be here to either of those services in person, you can always catch the sermon online, clearwater.church. Number two. Get involved in a journey group. We have four transformed groups. And there is, in addition to life being better together, there is some uh, significant content that you can only get in the group. We're using Rick Warren's uh, small group curriculum. Uh, just really excellent material. You don't want to miss that. Number three, make sure you have one of these transformed books and do the daily devotionals. If you don't have a book, talk to Pastor James. He can tell you how to get one of these things. And so the devotionals all week long were unpacking uh, the big idea for that week uh, and um, just going deeper into it uh, in light of Scripture. So tremendous. Uh, number four, make some goals, at least one goal for each of these seven areas of our lives. And goals should be smart, specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, time-bound, Right? So make some goals, and then finally memorize the verse for the week. And if you really do that, uh, you're going to find that God honors that with some accelerated growth in your life, and the payoff will be good. Seven areas of our life God wants us to have health in. Uh, we've looked already at our spiritual life. He wants us to be healthy spiritually. He wants us to be healthy uh, physically. That was last week. This week we're looking at mental health, uh, which actually kind of has three components. So it's mental health this week. Next week it's uh, emotional health. Then the following week, relational health. God wants us to be healthy also financially and in, uh, our, in our work life. And God, you know, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to full. I've come that you, to show you how to live the way you were meant to live and enjoy life the way I mean it to be enjoyed. Now, we live in a broken world, and that uh, definitely um, has influence on our lives. But 
But as we obey God, we experience the life and the goodness that he has for us. So, so the promises of God are, you know, health in these areas, but, but with promises there are often um, premises to those promises, and the premise is obedience. So, so if you're not experiencing the abundance that the Bible talks about in an area of your life, you know, tra- look at yourself honestly and ask, am I doing the things that Christ calls me to do? Uh, and if not, how do, how do I expect to be having the abundance that he, he uh, has for me? So, let's do our part. That's one of the, uh, one of the ideas of this message is God, want, God is there. He has provided great and glorious promises, and the power of God is there to help us step into the life he calls us to, but we also have a will and we have a, a role to play. Today we're talking about mental health. The Center for Disease Control defines mental health this way. Mental health includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. Those three domains, we're going to unpack the next three weeks. So today it's the psychological, all about the brain and and, uh, thinking. Next week, the emotional, and then the following week, the relational. Mental health affects how we think, feel, and act. It also helps determine how we handle stress, relate to others, and make choices. Charles Spurgeon, famous uh, preacher uh, of the late 1800s, a a well-renowned theologian who was known to struggle with depression, even as a man of faith. He writes this, The mind can descend far lower than the body, for in it there are bottomless pits. The flesh can bear only a certain number of wounds and no more, but the soul can bleed in 10,000 ways and die over and over again each hour. Now, when you have poor mental health, ultimately, uh, it's sourced in one of two ways, and and these often uh, are complexly intertwined. But... It's either physical or it's uh, mental or it has to do with thinking. But as Christians, I, we, I think, historically have uh, underappreciated the fact that we think with the brain and the brain is an organ of the body and it breaks down like any other part of our, our brain. And so our mental health is affected by the health of the mental organ, the brain itself. And so one of the sources of, of mental illness and poor mental health can be a breakdown in the brain, injury to the brain. Um, your brain will break down with age, just with age. All of us will have some, uh, age itself will, will break down the brain. You can have a blow upside the head. You get into a car accident, you're, you're uh, you know, playing a sport and whap. And all of a sudden, you've got a concussion, you have a brain trauma, a tumor can grow on your brain, brain chemicals can get low, depleted, they can get out of balance, right? And those, those uh, injury to the brain affects our mental health. And in fact, it, you know, when, when our brain is not processing things correctly, thinking correctly, or functioning correctly, it can influence how well we can process 
uh, information and, uh, and even determine truth, etc. And so, what do you do? Here's, here's the big idea here. You know, if your problem is physical, the fix is physical. And um, I, I think if, if you're having poor mental health because of an injury to the brain um, and you're praying, I think the answer to that prayer is God says, go talk to the medical professionals who know how to deal with problems with the body, right? So don't be afraid to go talk to a doctor and say, might there be a medical uh, issue causing problems with my mental health? And uh, it might be that medication can, can help you or something else. All right, so if it's a, if it's a medical problem, then the fix is most likely, if it's a physical problem, the fix is most likely physical as well. Um, so, so let's not discount that uh, as Christians. And we don't want to leave any tool on the shelf that God could use to, to bring us health because he wants us to be healthy and medical advances. That stuff is all a grace of God that's been given to us and let's not uh, eschew it or poo-poo it. Let us embrace it, okay? Um, now, the, the second source of poor mental health is faulty thinking and it's very prevalent. It's very prevalent. Stinking thinking leads to a rotten brain. And uh, there's a lot of stinking thinking going on in your brain and my brain and all over the world, okay? And now as Christians, we have a tremendous advantage in the fight for uh, true and correct and healthy thinking. Uh, we have the Word of God, tremendous advantage or resource, and we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit who teaches us the truth. So massive resources at our disposal. God wants us to be, uh, have a sound mind, the Bible says. God gives us a sound mind. And uh, he is absolutely with us in the struggle for um, mental health. And that's what we're going to be talking um, today predominantly about is how to uh, think correctly. How prevalent is mental illness? By the way, poor mental health is one thing. Um, it becomes mental illness when, it's, uh, when it is significantly obstructing your ability to function. It has, it has become an, an obstacle to you functioning well in life. Now it's a mental illness. Here's what the CDC says. More than 50% of Americans will be diagnosed with a mental illness or disorder at some point in their lifetime. More than 50%, more than half, one out, more than one of every two, will, it'll get so bad that they will go see a medical professional, a doctor, and say, can you help me? And that doctor will evaluate and actually diagnose that person with a mental illness or, or a disorder. That's pretty darn significant, pretty darn um, prevalent in our society. Here's another statistic. One in five Americans will experience a mental illness in a given year. 20% every year 
of our friends and family and co-workers and neighbors are having uh, such, uh, em- such mental um, so many, uh, problems that they actually, it, it is um, hurting or hindering their ability to function. One in five children, either currently or at some point in their life, have a seriously debilitating mental illness. So during, during their childhood, one in five. The average age that, that mental illness starts is actually 14, and it's most prevalent with people in their 20s. Shows up early. One in 25 Americans lives with a serious mental illness, such as schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, or major depression. And although we as Christians have tremendous resources to uh, help us in the fight for mental health, uh, please do not think it, is, uh, it does not affect Christian people. It absolutely does. And there are people, undoubtedly there are people in this room who uh, struggle with mental health and have people that they love and care about who struggle with mental health. And so as a church, we, we need to talk about it and we need to help each other, right? Not bury our head in the sand like ostriches and act like it's only out there. No, it's here as well. It's part of, uh, it's part of the struggle for uh, the abundant Christian life. God cares about it and he will help us. Let me talk for a bit about um, the cognitive model that underlies cognitive behavioral therapy, which I think actually fits quite well with the biblical portrait of what goes on with the mind and mental health. So the cognitive model starts with beliefs. And, and it says, you have beliefs, I have beliefs, everybody is walking around with a set of beliefs. And those beliefs are formed either by experience or education. Now, education... You know, somebody tells us something, we watch a, you know, we go to school or we watch a program or we read a book and we, and the rational mind says, yeah, I, I believe that, that makes sense, I'm going to take that as, as part of my belief system. But then there's the whole personal experience forming beliefs. And that starts at when you're tiny, tiny. And you're, you experience the way people relate to you. Right? It can be as simple as, you touch the stove, the stove is hot, and that forms a belief that stoves are dangerous. It could be the way somebody uh, treats you or doesn't treat you, uh, you know, and talks to you when you reach out for care. Maybe as a little teeny kid, you pray to God for something specific, and, and you don't get that, and then the little belief forms that God doesn't answer prayers, or he's not there, or he doesn't care about you, right? And And... These beliefs can be, they don't have to be conscious. We do not have to, we don't have to be consciously aware of them for them to have power in our lives, nor do they have to be true. A belief does not have to be true to have power in our lives. We all have beliefs. And then when your beliefs encounter a situation, and we all encounter many situations every day, somebody cuts us off in traffic, we win the board game, uh, we get yelled at, Whatever it is. Beliefs plus situation produces thoughts. They're automatic. You don't have to uh, conjure them up. They just pop into your mind. And those thoughts are the product of your beliefs and that unique situation. All of a sudden you have a thought. 
Um, so for example, if, if I have a fundamental belief that I am capable, and if I put my mind to things, I can pretty much do anything I, you know, I want to do, and then at work I'm assigned a new project or a new task, well, based on my belief in this situation, the automatic thought might, will probably be something like, ah, no problem, I can handle this, um, I'm gonna succeed at this. Frankly, this could be a fun challenge, especially if, if uh, I have another belief that says, challenges grow me and you know, that kind of thing. Now, the thought, if reacted to, well, we react to thoughts. Okay, so that's the next component is, you have a thought, you react to thoughts. Un unless you stop yourself right there, which is what cognitive behavioral therapy tries to uh, get us to do. And frankly, I think the Bible tries to get us to do when it says, take every thought captive, right? Don't just react to every single thought you have. But if you react to your thought, your reaction can be emotional. So the thought I have is, you know, hey, this could be kind of fun. I've got a new project. I think I'm going to succeed at this and grow by doing this. So my emotion would probably be a positive emotion, right? Ah, this is kind of exciting. You, your reaction can also be physiological. So it might produce some endorphins. Uh, ooh, chance to, uh, sh you know, further expand my kingdom at work. I don't know. And uh, show off my great skills. And then also your behaviors. So if I'm in this scenario, I probably would be uh, positive toward my supervisor who's giving me this new task. Oh yeah, bring it on is kind of the, the, the vibe, right? I don't, I don't hide from the new task. I jump into it, probably I'll succeed. And so one of the points that cognitive behavioral therapy makes is that your reactions determine your life quality and your, uh, you know, your outcomes in life. So the better your thinking, the better your reactions, the better your outcomes. So based on what we've just said, which was a positive, um, I, I, my supervisor is probably going to feel good about me because I accepted the task with enthusiasm. I'm going after it. I succeed at it. And it's a positive feedback loop. Take a negative. Let's imagine, here's a negative example. I have a belief. And the belief is, I am unattractive. People don't enjoy being with me and having to relate to me. Where did that come from? Situation, I, in, I'm, I meet somebody new. My beliefs plus that. The automatic thought is probably something like, this person, I'm, this person is not enjoying talking to me. They don't enjoy... They're not enjoying this. They wish they didn't have to hang out with me. And that's, if I react to that thought, I'm probably, am I going to enter into that conversation and, and be relaxed and warm and keep, the, keep it going? Probably I'm going to, uh, I'm probably going to, you know, uh, clam up, try to exit. My emotions are probably going to be uh, a self-loathing, maybe some anger and loneliness. Uh, stress hormones are flooding my body, right? So, be, okay, so that's the cognitive model. Cognitive behavioral therapy says uh, 
the better your beliefs, the better your thinking, the better your reactions, the better life you're going to have. And so let's arrest ourselves. They would say, examine your, you know, these thoughts that auto pop into your brain. Examine them. Don't just react to them. Stop. Pause. Examine them. Is that a healthy thought? Is that a correct thought? Is that a realistic thought? And, you know, if it's not, you, you're going to have to do the additional work of asking, you know, why does this situ? what belief when... Uh, encountering this particular situation is generating that thought. And then you got to go back and do the hard work of trying to uproot unhealthy beliefs and replace them with healthy beliefs. And if you do that on a consistent con base day after day, you know, week after week, month after month, year after year, and you, and you start uprooting false beliefs, bad beliefs, unhealthy beliefs, uh, and put in good beliefs, then it's just going to be a, a positive cascading effect. So I'm a fan of cognitive behavioral therapist, although I would like to encourage you to find, uh, um, by the way, here's a statistic I think is pretty impressive. This is from the Beck Institute. They do cognitive behavioral therapy. They, they claim that more than 2,000 studies have demonstrated the efficacy of cognitive behavioral therapy for psychiatric disorders, psychological problems, and medical problems with a psychiatric component, right? So correcting thinking and uh, correcting beliefs. But I want to highly, um, it does seem to me that a Christian counselor has a leg up because a Christian counselor uh, has Christian beliefs, right? And the Christian counselor is going to say, hey, you know, what does God say about you? What does God say about the meaning and purpose of your life? What does God say about other people and, and uh, you know, adversity and on and on? I mean, in other words, you would expect a Christian counselor to help apply the, the truth of the word of God at the belief level. Um, so I, I, secular counselors can be helpful as long as they help us live in reality, but I think a Christian counselor definitely has uh, a leg up on all this, so I would encourage that. By the way, uh, it's one of the reasons the church is so important. God does not call... God intends every Christian to be part of a local church. God in, expects, intends the Christian life to be lived out in Christian community, and Christian people speak truth to each other collectively, you know, in a group setting like this, in journey groups, in private conversations, right? We speak truth to each other, one of the fundamental things that we do, which means we help each other be healthier. Turn in your Bibles, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Now we get to the Bible. <laughs> You're like, what the heck? Are we going to get to the Bible today? 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We are looking at verses 4 and 5 today. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. 
We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Four principles from this, from these verses to help us uh, with mental health. Number one, be in the fight for your mind. Notice what Paul says. The uh, waging war, weapons of our warfare, destroying strongholds, destroying arguments. Paul understands that we are in a battle for our minds. Satan is the father of lies. The primary uh, tool Satan uses to hamstring the Christian, victorious Christian life is feeding us lies and getting us to believe lies. Uh, one of our memory verses during this series is Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Therefore, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is, every, what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you just drift along, you will be conformed to the thinking of the world. And there's a lot of destructive, unhealthy, false thinking out there. And so the Bible is very clear. Unless you are being transformed by the renewing of your mind, you will conform to the pattern of this world. You're going to think just like everybody else. The, the thinking of the world will just get stamped on your mind. And it's, it's going to not produce the life of God in you. So what's the alternative? The alternative is you are being transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're renewing your mind. So uh, you're going back. And how do you do that? You, by going back to the Word of God and um, taking your thinking to the Word of God and letting the Word of God construct, I'm sorry, convict you and um, instruct you, challenge you, right? So be in the fight. If you're not in the fight, then you are losing. You're going to be conformed to uh, the thinking of the world. Second principle, take every thought captive. So you think about cognitive behavioral therapy, right? Um, take every thought captive to obey Christ. Think about the, the implications of what the Bible is telling us here. You, you don't have to believe everything you think, right? In fact, you should not believe everything you think. The first, you know, the thought that pops into your mind, the Bible says, be suspicious of it. C capture it. Lock it up. Don't let it go roaming free in your head and, and, until you have examined it and to see whether or not it is obedient to Christ. I mean, this is a marvelously important truth. You know, these thoughts pop into your mind. You've got to remember that, you know, the evil one's involved and, and past trauma is involved and, and uh, bad thinking, uh, belief systems. So a thought pops into your brain, you capture it, you don't let it go, you don't react to it. You do not react to it until you have examined it and you've determined that thought actually is in harmony with the Word of God and it flows out of faith. That's the question, right? You, so you take every thought captive and you examine it based on the truth principle, the truth test. 
is, is, does this thought flow out of a belief in God's word? Does it come out of faith? If it does, okay, now I'll react to it and live my life out of it. Otherwise, you don't let it go. You, you tighten that seatbelt and you don't let it roam around the cabin, right? You put it in prison, you've taken it captive, and then that's where it stays and you don't give it real estate in your mind. Super, super important. Third principle, replace false beliefs with the truth. Notice here he says, God has given us divine power, verse 4, to destroy strongholds. What's a stronghold? A stronghold here is, is a lie Satan's got you believing. A stronghold is a, is a false belief that has become a belief for you. And God has given us the power to destroy those false beliefs, to destroy those strongholds. And God wants to help us uproot those false beliefs, destroy those strongholds, replace those false beliefs with true beliefs so that we can step into greater abundance. So God is absolutely with us in this fight. <clears throat> it's not simple and it's not automatic. So, uh, I got married at, I was almost 26, so a couple weeks away from 26 when I got married, and, and uh, previous, prior to marriage, I felt very well put together. Uh, I did. I just thought, I have arrived. I am kind of unflappable, and I'm, life is just smooth sailing. Well, getting married produced a whole lot of new situations. And those situations, based, combined with my beliefs, auto-generated some bad thinking. That shocked me. And I would, I was, I would um, be tempted to react to that. Sometimes I'd be in the midst of reacting to that, and the Holy Spirit within me is saying, hey, that's not right, that's not good, stop, stop yourself. That was not easy. Because uh, very often, the physiological reaction has begun, right? I, the, I've got the, uh, in, whatever it is, chemicals are just all through me. I'm angry, I'm sad, whatever it is. I'm emotionally reacting already. And my mind is already, all kinds of other thoughts. I might have already behaved badly. And so now I'm having to do the work of, and, and I'll, many, many times I'd have to go on these long walks. And it was amazing. Like my brain was fuzzy. You know what I'm talking about? It's like I couldn't even think clearly. Like, ah, Lord, help me think clearly. And, and then I would, okay, what's, what am I really thinking? And why am I thinking out? Why do I think, you know, why am I so angry by this or why does this scare me so much? Or why am I reacting the way I'm reacting? And what belief, what belief do I have about who Sabrina is, what her role in my life is, right? To do everything I want and make me happy all the time, and, right? These kind of things. And, and it, was a, it was just a process, and I'm not done. <laughs> you know, well, we've been married 20. I asked Sabrina, how long are we married? And she said, don't ask me that. You calculate it yourself. 24. Almost 24. We'll be married 24. It's not over. 
But um, it, this is not simple. When, I'm, when I say replace the faulty beliefs with truth, it, I'm, it's not a simple process. Um, it requires the Holy Spirit helping us, but the Holy Spirit will help you. The Holy Spirit will help you. And it's a, it can be a, it's a wonderfully freeing process. And if you, if you will, do the hard work and find out, oh my goodness, that's, that's false. God, I repent of that. And I embrace the truth. And I, I am planting a truth where there was falsehood. If you do that, then uh, that, it, that's a step toward freedom. That's a step toward mental health. Here's a scripture. Psalm 119, 99. 199, no, 11999. Psalm 119.99. Uh, I love this. Here is David. And David says, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies, talking about the Bible, are my meditation. And the Word of God and the Holy Spirit applying the Word of God to us can, can pr produce great wisdom, great understanding, great truth-telling within us, and, and can produce great beliefs. Not just beliefs so that if you have to fill out a doctrinal statement, you, you know, you're successful, but beliefs that result in good thinking no matter what situation you encounter. And that, res and, and that translates into good reactions. Reactions that produce psychological health, produce emotional health, produce relational health. You see? So be in the fight for your mind. Take every thought captive. Subject it to the truth test. Replace false beliefs with the truth. And then finally, fight with others at your side. Paul talks about we, and he's writing to the Corinthians. We're in this together. We're in this together. Please, do not think. One of the tactics of the evil one is to cause us to think we're the only ones struggling with this particular issue, which is contrary to the word of God, which says there is nothing new under the sun, right? Humans, from the beginning of time, have dealt with all the same sins, all the same temptations. You are not the only one who is struggling. And so, don't, uh, don't stay isolated. Don't keep it in the darkness, because that's where Satan can get you all bound up. You bring it out into the light. Confess your sins to one another, so that you may be healed. Confessing your sins to another person is a scary thing. But you do it because you believe God's promise that it can help you find healing. And so uh, we're in this fight together. We need to be open about it. We need to even confess to people the, our faulty thinking. And then we can hear back the truth. And that is very, that's a very powerful thing. Uh, so we're in it together. And it's one of the, one of the reasons, frankly, you, you want to be mentally healthy. Don't, it's good that you come to church, but don't keep your church involvement to just I sit, I come and I sit in a seat and then I leave. You know, go deeper. Get into a journey group. Get into relationships where people know your life and they can speak into your life and they can pray for you specifically. Um, here are some books, and these are listed, by the way, in your bulletin. 
So you don't have to write them down. But here are some books that I think are very helpful in this, uh, in what we've been talking about. The Lies We Believe by Dr. Chris Thurman, a little bit older book, but excellent. And what it's, one of the things this book does is it helps identify a lot of very common false beliefs that even Christians swallow, and then tries to help you identify whether or not you've got those, you're believing those lies, and how to replace them with God's truth. Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table, Louis Giglio. The Bondage Breaker by Neil Anderson. That was a very powerful book in my life as a young adult. Uh, the whole premise there is John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And Satan is wanting to keep us in bondage to lies. We replace those lies with the truth of God and it will break bondage and set us free. Powerful book. Um, Making Peace with Your Past by Tim Sledge. That's a book that was very powerful in Sabrina's life. She's going to talk a little, uh, in just a moment. She'll give a super brief testimony on that. Another great book. So there are lots of resources out there. Uh, but you got to put the time and energy in if you want to step into health. Now, let me end with this. I said we as Christians have a tremendous leg up in the fight for mental health. Uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when you have a personal relationship with the truth... And the spirit of Jesus Christ indwelling you who is leading you into all truth. My, oh my. If you will believe. If you will believe. Just this week after Thursday, talking to, uh, talking to somebody there on Thursday. Uh, and this person was um, kind of gotten serious about the Lord uh, somewhat recently. And they were just talking about how powerful the truth of God is and how it's correcting uh, some of the bad thinking this person has had and, and the freedom they're finding. It's, it's a powerful thing. God wants us to be free in, in this area, to be healthy in this area, and he's given us all the tools we need. All right, I'm going to ask the band back, uh, and I'm going to pray, and then we'll hear from Sabrina. Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so, God, in, in the darkness, in the confusion, you, you provide us light whereby to walk and walk into abundance. And we have such an advantage. Let's take adva- may we take advantage of that in Christ. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen.